Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we're going to be reviewing the new Marvel film, Black Widow. And we are joined by a very special guest, Caitlin. Caitlin, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey there, I'm Caitlin. i a self-professed massive Marvel fan, and I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you and to dive into this film together. So, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Black Widow? Sure. A film about Natasha Romanoff in her quests between the films Civil War and Infinity War. All right. And let's start off with our one-sentence summaries in Strategic Whimsy Experiment tradition. Caitlin, do you want to share your one-sentence summary first? Yeah, this movie is the resolution of Natasha's statement in the first Avengers movie. I have read on my ledger and I want to wipe it out. Oh, interesting. So good and so helpful uh, in the context of the MCU. (laughs) Sarah, what was your one sentence summary? Oh, mine is not helpful at all. My summary is uh, Russian Charlie's Angels. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) Well done. Mine is boring and straightforward. Passing on the torch through sisterly love and leather suits. Well done. Nice. All right, let's start off with our initial thoughts of Black Widow. Caitlin, I'm curious your thoughts. This movie was a long time coming, and I think it was worth the wait. I enjoyed the dynamic between the Natasha we know and the Natasha that we know existed before her. Um, It was an interesting... uh, yeah, interesting dynamic, interesting um, comparison. So, so Caitlin, how long have we been wanting a Black Widow movie? Because I remember you and I having conversations about when are they going to give us this movie? We have been, honestly, we've been wanting this movie since 2012, which is when we first met Natasha in the first Avengers movie. Um, So we've been wanting more of her story for nine years. Um, The big push for her movie came about 2016, so about five years ago. There was a really big push for more Black Widow. Um, And then they announced this movie probably two, two and a half years ago. And then it got pushed back. So, uh, we've been climbing the steps for a long time, but it's been about nine years that we've been (laughs) really, you know, just, we need more, we need more Natasha. Yeah. And I'm curious how this movie did with that level of waiting and hype that I'm sure has been building, uh, for all nine of those years. Like, did you feel like this movie delivered what you were hoping for? And then... Well, I have more questions that I'm intrigued about, but I'll, I'll save those. <laughs> <laughs> I was pleased with the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't heard many reactions to the movie yet, 
um, because it's so brand new. I was pleased with what it gave us. I know, um, you know, some people were looking for answers to questions that came about from the last movie and whatnot. Um, but I was pleased. I thought it did her justice. Um, and it, it did answer some of the questions we had, some of the burning questions that the fans had as well as some of the general, you know, who is she? We kind of know, we kind of know a little bit, but we want to know more. Um, so I was personally, I was very pleased with this. Sarah, what were your initial thoughts of Black Widow? Well, uh, this was just not the movie that I wanted. Uh, <laughs> I knew that going into it because uh, I want a like Logan version of Black Widow. Like I want like the gritty, dark, like okay. Natasha in like full assassin mode. Like <laughs> that is the Black Widow movie that I want. I will never get that movie and that's fine. So I'm choosing to be grateful for what we do have, even though it's not what I want. Um, I think there, there are some problems that I, I had with it, but I mean, all in all, like you said, Caitlin, I, I like what it was able to do with Natasha's character, especially because she kind of became the heart of the Avengers. Uh, you know, we get to see that morality coming out of her and we can see how much was taken from her. I think it's kind of a shame that you know, it is nine years after we originally wanted it because this movie could have been something else. Um, instead, I think, you know, Florence Pugh really stole the show, at least for me. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a shame because we we love Natasha. We love Scar jo. She's done so much over nine years. So it, was, it, it just kind of sucked for her, but she did a good job. I think that Florence Pugh just kind of overshadowed her. Um, so I think... For what it is, it it did that well. It just, it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> I would love to see a series like Loki, like uh, WandaVision. Ooh. I would love to see that. I think she deserves that level of storytelling. Mm -hmm. yeah. And with how quirky and confusing and back and forth all of these shows have been, I think we could easily get that going and seeing the gritty Natasha and then going forward and seeing, you know, some of those missing bits between the movies like we got with this one. And then, you know, I think we could get all of that in a show. And I think mm. we, I think we, in that format, we really could get some of that thing, that stuff that you're, you're wishing you had, Sarah, I think. Um, yeah, I think there's so much potential there. So I, I agree with that. That would be really neat, similar to what the Star Wars universe did with The Mandalorian, where they got to use the show to explore this other parts of this universe and this other parts of uh, this franchise that are not the cookie cutter ones that are part of the you know uh, nine episode trilogies uh, series, but something a little different than what they're used to and maybe they can take a little bit more risks with that. Yeah, I, I went into this film thinking that it was going to be a prequel and in a lot of ways I feel like this movie doesn't fall into all of the prequel traps that other 
big franchises that Disney has tackled have fallen into. I'm thinking about Solo, a Star Wars story, which takes this like super iconic, beloved character and answers all the questions that we weren't asking and gives him a backstory that doesn't feel authentic to the character that we know and like just isn't needed. And so like strategically, it was interesting to see this film take place with the Natasha that we know and have seen in other movies. We get a little bit of like her childhood with um, Matt Harbour's or David Harbour's character and um, Florence Pugh's character. So we get a little bit of that, but I feel like a lot of the movie doesn't focus too heavily on those pieces. Um, And they're not set in those times when she was younger. It's very much set in um, that time period between um, Civil War and Infinity War. So I I thought that was a really smart move. And it felt like we got to just hang out with this character who is so dynamic and charismatic on screen. We just got more time with her that we didn't think we would have. Um, I think like also from a strategic perspective, them releasing this after – what happens to her in um, the you know main storyline is interesting, and I'm curious your thoughts on how that worked for you. I mean, obviously they didn't release this um, earlier, and it felt like the purpose of this movie was a little bit of like teeing up Florence Pugh, and I'm curious if that felt like it distracted away from the emphasis being on Natasha and her storyline, or if you kind of appreciated and loved that that part of what they tried to do with it. What are your thoughts on that? The The timing of the release was definitely interesting. Obviously, you see, you see, you know, the nod to where we're currently at in the timeline with that end scene uh, or that end credit scene. Aside from that, aside from that scene, though, I mean, you some of the um, the nervousness of some of those big battles was removed because you know that we see her later in the timeline. Um, so you don't have that fear of like, is she going to make it? Um, because you do know that we see mm. her later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think emotionally it had a different impact because we know that, you know, we know what the outcome is of the timeline. And so you see, you know, it's almost, it increases the bittersweet um, aspect of it because it's like, okay, you know, this, this whole storyline happened and then, you know, oh gosh, what is it? No, it's five years later, isn't it? Um, five plus years later, you know um, what then happens with Endgame. So I think that that changes the emotional tone of everything that happens. So as far as you know, setting up um, the next character, I that's got to go somewhere. If that doesn't go somewhere, then I think the weight of um, focus in this movie was very wrong. If they do take that somewhere, whether it be a series, whether 
it be the next movie, um, then, you know, I can, I can appreciate them setting it up to continue her storyline. Um, so I guess my opinion on the, you know, the weight of, I said that, that focus of the movie will depend on where they go from here. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And I I read somewhere that they they liked Florence Pugh so much that they are going to incorporate her going forward. And I think that's a really a really good idea. Um while I was watching, like I was very aware of all of those years that fans have been like, we want a Black Widow movie. And so in in some ways to me, it felt like, oh, okay, now we're going to finally give this thing to you. Um, so I, I was kind of like in that thought process, but I think that they did as good a job as they could. Um, I agree with you, Caitlin, like the, even though you knew that Natasha wasn't going to die in this movie. So there weren't as many stakes it knowing how she finally did die um, really brought more meaning to her actions in this film. So I feel like they even used the, all the delays of this film finally being released to their advantage to add emotional weight when they could. And I think that's, part of the reason why this works as a prequel, which is a very, very rare thing. Yeah, especially because a lot of the scenes, especially in that third act and in the climax where she wants to go and find Dreykov and essentially free the Black Widows that are under his control, uh, there's this like desire and this theme that she communicates around wanting to do something good with her life and, you know, clear the, the blood on her hands or the ledger that she's had in her previous assassin days and really pursue like a, a purpose that is beyond herself and bigger than herself and part of her desire with being, you know, in the Avengers team. And those scenes were, were so much better knowing where she ultimately, you know, has the, the self-sacrifice, um, in the climax of uh, the larger Marvel storyline and the Avengers storyline, like that scene uh, was made more more nuanced and and more complex, knowing uh, everything that comes later that she then does. This feels like a little taste of all that she is is going to do um, for her team and her family, and you know her Avenger family later on in the series, which was was really neat. Uh, the way that that those two contexts can fuse together. I think Star Wars did something similar with Rogue One. Like all the context we have uh, for episode four just makes the ending of Rogue One even more meaningful. And it was it was neat to see the way that they're really smart about weaving these storylines and emotional themes together uh, for these characters. Yeah, I think there were so many poignant lines in this movie um you know between um natasha and her mother for lack of a better term you know she says how did you keep your heart and 
you know, valid question for a black widow who was raised to not have a heart, um, who was raised to not care about anything beyond doing the mission. Um, you know, valid question there, but also, you know, so over you're so all encompassing of her character as a whole and who she is as a whole. Um, because like you said earlier, she is that, you know, that heart of the Avengers. She's the, the glue that holds it together, or maybe a better term is she's the soul of the Avengers as, um, as we see very literally spelled out for us, um, in end game, um, you know, with the, the soul stone. Um, and you know, that line is just such, such a marker of who she is. Um, and she says, uh, towards the end of the movie, you know, I, something to the effect of, um, I grew up thinking I didn't have a family and now I have two. And, you know, she spends, this movie essentially redeeming her childhood family as, you know, as broken and twisted and odd as it was. And we know that she, you know, she gives herself for the greater good, but also specifically for her family um, of the Avengers. And so it's just those, those small little lines that just truly draw out who she is. And we see that that's at the core of who she is and it's who she always was underneath the, the orders and the, um, you know, that facade of the widow. And what I appreciated about those moments is that I think it worked and Jen, I want to know how you feel about this too, but I think it worked for those who are, you know, diehard MCU fans like you, Caitlin, and then people like me who, I mean, I was a little lost in the timeline. I was like, I don't know when this is happening. And so like, I was really appreciative that they kind of spelled that out for us, but I don't remember the details of civil war or infinity war. So I liked that those moments still had meaning for me within the context of the film. And I knew enough of the M about the MCU for those to have meaning, even if I wasn't aware of the details. And so I thought that that was a good moment from the writers that whether you have little context or a whole lot of context, these are still important uh, and character revealing moments. Yeah, very true. I was trying to figure out who the Red Guardian was the whole time, to be honest. I was like, there's some context I'm missing. <laughs> um, I feel like I was supposed to know who he was and his whole costume, um, his suit that he puts on. So I'm curious, Sarah, did you have that same question? Caitlin, do you have answers? <laughs> I was just confused as to why there was another super soldier like in um... – uh, what is it? Falcon and Winter Soldier. They tease out uh, the idea that there were more than just Captain America in the Super Soldiers. So because I had just watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, 
I understood like, oh, there's probably more of these. And so he's just another one. So I don't know if there's other mention of him in the MCU universe, but that was how I rationalized his existence. To my knowledge, in the MCU, there's no mention of him, although there are many, many hints of particularly the Russians, as we see in Civil War with um, the other Winter Soldiers. Um, You know, the Russians were um, constantly trying to um, develop the same they were trying to create an army of Steve Rogers, but to do their bidding. Um, I didn't know specifically of his existence, but I would, I would put money on him being somewhere in the Marvel universe as far as the comics go. Um, Whether he be in the winter soldier storyline or the black widow storyline or somewhere else um but to my knowledge specific references to him have not been made and they kind of spelled out who he was as the movie progressed um like you know he says i want to put the suit on again you know like what (laughs) suit are you talking about dude um and then you see him coming out of prison putting the (laughs) suit on again um somewhat successfully (laughs) um you know and you see his superhero so or his not his superhero his um action figure Mm -hmm. so you know obviously he was known at least in you know in russia he was a a known individual and so um i don't think we were supposed to know who he was before the movie i think they they intentionally kind of slowly showed you who he was through the film. Unless I am just missing a big old chunk of the MCU that I'm unaware of. Cause I think if he had been elsewhere, then the movie wouldn't have had to do so much to establish him as a character. So I think, I think you're spot on Caitlin. And I think they, I think they drew it out because you don't, at least while I was watching it, you don't fully know at the beginning of the movie what the family structure is. Is it, you know, when we see a little Natasha and her little sister, you know, it it seems like an actual family until things start falling apart. And then it's like, oh, no, these were, you know, either stolen children or this, you know, this was a fake family. And so I think they intentionally kind of didn't allow you to know fully who he was until later on as we start learning the truth about who they were. Yeah, both him and Melina's roles as well in the formation and the continuation of the Black Widow program. I thought that was um, interesting. You referenced earlier that there were like questions that the fans had that this movie helped answer. Um, I'm curious what some of those questions were because I've seen some of the Marvel movies, but um, I think I, I was like 
just excited to get to see ScarJo be incredible for two hours, which we definitely got, and just like to spend time with more this character more. And I'm curious, what were the questions that you know Marvel had uh, teed up uh, for themselves to to try and answer or try and satisfy through this through this movie? Budapest. Yes. Yeah. Budapest. So good. <laughs> we have been asking that question since two thirds of the way through the first Avengers movie. What happened in Budapest? Because uh, Natasha and Clint are fighting the aliens and Clint says uh, or maybe it's Nat. One of them says um, this is just like Budapest and the other says you and I remember Budapest very differently (laughs) and we have been wondering since then what happened in Budapest and we find out Mm. um, (laughs) as many fans assumed um or you know came to the conclusion of that's where they met they were you know they were introduced and she was rescued or pulled out or introduced to to shield um and we get a little hint at that when she goes back to her apartment in budapest and her sister says what kind of bullets make those holes she says, not bullets, arrows. And that's all. That's all that was said. But, like, okay. Ah, mm-hmm. Okay. That's all we needed. That was Clint right there. That was Clint. Mm. Um, and I think they mentioned somewhere as well that that was Clint found her and um, was sent to kill her and, you know, did not. And then that's where that was what led to the entire storyline that this movie followed um she attempted to kill Drakov, thought she had and that was her entrance into shield and her exit from the life she had lived um so it really was the the unspoken crux of this movie and her entire story with shield but it was just you know kind of subtly thrown in there but we've been asking that question for nine years what happened in Budapest? Um, so that was one major question. That's incredible. That went way over my head. <laughs> but it's it's neat that, I mean, I remember thinking like, oh, that's weird. She said arrows. I don't really get that. But it keeps going. And, you know, I'm thinking back to a point you made earlier, Sarah, of like this movie really respects its um, its fans that have been waiting for this. But it also works for those of us like me who are just – here for the here for the journey and here for the ride and it doesn't take away I didn't feel like I was you know missing out on so much context so that that's really neat they they really wove that in there quite subtly yeah they had fun with that marvel is marvel is so good at the um the easter eggs mm-hmm. and the throwbacks and the um the subtle comments that you might not catch on to unless you're really paying attention um and you know they continued that with this movie and i think your comparison of this to rogue one is so accurate because it is a middle movie that doesn't impact the avengers storyline per se but 
it does give context to some of the characters and it does give weight to some of the main storyline and some of the things that her character goes through. Um, but it was so well done that, uh, you know, you could see this movie and not have seen any other Marvel movie and be okay. But if you had seen the others, you, you were almost rewarded for that in getting those, those little comments thrown in. So I think that was, it's a very apt comparison. I loved rogue one for that very reason. Um, and I think that was part of what I enjoyed about this one was the, the standalone value as well as the interwoven into the bigger story value. Yeah. At certain points I was, I was reminded of how I felt during end game. You know, it's, I had that same feeling of the, like on a macro level, like the writing is so well done because it's kind of an impossible task that they had for this film. Like nine years of people wanting this, like there's a lot of ways you can screw that up. Like, And especially because, you know, she's already killed off. This is probably the only one that we're going to get. Like the stakes are really, really high for this film. And I feel like they, they did a good job for what they, they were dealt. And like you said, Caitlin, like there, there's a vast audience for this. And everybody can get something. And that is not the norm. So I, I think in a lot of ways, this movie uh, accomplishes a tremendous feat, even if it is, you know, kind of like a mid-tier Marvel property. Agreed. Agreed to all of the above. I'm curious about your thoughts on them, as you mentioned, choosing to do a storyline that's interwoven into the rest of the the larger storyline versus do you think it could have been potentially too risky to do truly like a prequel type of movie for her um perhaps the gritty the gritty movie that sarah is hoping for where she's truly like in her assassin you know element um do you think that would have been a, a larger challenge for like such a beloved character like her um challenge for sure um you know we saw the way like you said we saw the way that that can go south with solo but um you know it it could be done it could be done well i think there's just so much there that we've we know but we don't know um and again i think that's territory that would be better explored in a series where you have more time to, um, mm. to connect it because we know that she went through the red room. We know that she, um, that all of the widows were, um, created to be the perfect weapon that could have no distraction. So they're, you know, they talk about it in the movie, but we know that she can't have children. Um, we know that she was trained to be this perfect assassin. We know that she was broken out of that by Clint. So we know so much while still knowing so little of what actually happened that I think just a strict prequel would have been exciting because we get to see it, but also 
yeah, but we know this. Like we know, we know it. We know what happened. We know what happened to her. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that we would have wanted to see that we didn't see in this is uh, Clint. You know, how did Black Widow and Hawkeye meet? What was that entire exchange like? Please show me that fight between the two of them. You know, I think that's probably the number one thing from a, a strict prequel that we would have wanted to see. You know, that's that's everybody wants more Hawkeye and Black Widow because they're such an incredible pair. And, you know, there's so much history there. You know that he saved her um, in more ways than one. Um, but aside from that, I think a strict prequel would have been a challenge to keep people truly engaged. Um, because like I said, we know it and we know what the outcome is. This had a little bit of a different weight because it was more current and because these are events that we don't know. We don't know how they unfold. Um, having read um, a book called, oh goodness, Black Widow Red Forever or Forever Red. Um, it's a novel based on her character of the MCU or from the MCU. And um, a character very close to her in that book is killed. And so there was that weight for me of going, you know, she has this, this sister that she's been disconnected from for 21 years. You know, she just gets reconnected. They finally, you know, this, this family unit finally gets some redemptive time. They reunite. They, there's forgiveness that's going around. Do they all make it? And that was my fear the entire movie. Like, oh my gosh, is she going to lose this person that she just got back? Um, whereas if you'd gone back to a prequel, it's like, well, we know she's okay in the end, you know? And um, if any of that makes sense, I hope um, I was able to explain that well. But there's, I think it would have been a challenge to give us something new that was, that we really, really wanted from just a strict prequel. Yeah, I think you're you're right and I I think this film strategically makes a lot of sense because this, you know, ties up a bow on one of the favorite characters and it sets up, you know, the I mean, I know we're already in phase a million of the MCU. I don't know what we're on anymore, but we're into the next phase. And this really Four. ushers in. Ah, thank you. <laughs> I knew that you would know. I have no idea. So we're. it really like ushers us into phase four of the MCU. God bless America. So I think from like a strategic and a business decision, this film makes a lot of sense. And like you said, Caitlin, it uncovers emotional ground that we wouldn't get in the gritty film. I just want 
a kick-ass assassin <laughs> film because that's what I like. Like when they were like in Budapest and like destroying cars and destroying architecture, I was like, this is not what I want. I want an assassin film where she's just like going in like Mission Impossible style, but like dark and just taking people out. Like, ah, it'd be so good. But that doesn't make sense for the MCU or where we are right now. So I understand and I am choosing to be grateful for what we have because it was still good, even though it wasn't what I wanted. So you want that first modern day scene, but two hours long, like more of that, where you see we first get introduced yes. to, yeah. So part. good. So good. And like that. Oh, yes. So good. I just, I want her to be a spy and be taking people out, like covert under the radar, not blowing up buildings or like crashing into stuff. Like, no, let's be covert people. But alas, we're in the MCU. They're not known for their subtlety. It's fine. (laughs) I am on board with that. Um, My favorite MCU film is The Winter Soldier because it is more of that um it was a little bit more gritty there's a lot more gray um you know they they attempt to be somewhat more subtle um they still (laughs) blow a lot of things up they still destroy a lot of things they you know giant ships crashed in the (laughs) potomac whatever that aside (laughs) um and there is love- a place for that. Like, yes. that, that's good old fun. Like, I get it. But, you know, some subtlety is nice, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I want the show. I want mm-hmm. the show. I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see 13-year-old Natasha yes. in Russia. I want to see, <laughs> you know, 17-year-old Natasha, you know, in her first mission in another country i want to see you know i want to see natasha i want to see like how did she learn that skill like what mission did she pick up on that like yeah (laughs) you know where what were her goofs you know where did she learn the hard way um where the heck did she meet her buddy that gets her random planes and hotels and flats and whatnot like Mm -hmm. I would love to see all of that. And I want to see the parallels between then and now. So I'm totally on board with you on that. Let's make this happen, Marvel. Give us the show. And the thing is, that would make so much money. Like, everyone wants to see that. That's just a good time. Oh my gosh, yes. You know? Like, maybe they're waiting to see how well this movie does and determine their projections based on box office numbers for this movie. Who knows? Forget the box office. The fans want it. Give it to us. <laughs> well, and it's already raked in a bunch of money yeah. in theaters and on Disney Plus. Yep. So I, I mean, which it's a it's a Marvel movie. It's the first one we've had in forever. Mm-hmm. So of course it was going to do well. Come on, Marvel, give the fans what they want. Come on, we want more Scarjo. But what I was wondering is, like, is she done? Was my question while watching. Like, I mean, this has been like a decade of her life. Is she just 
done being Black Widow, which I could really respect if she was done. So I I don't know. That that's my only like, uh, I don't know that we'll get what we want. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question. I mean I guess she's time the only will tell. Yeah. yeah. Um I know everyone's biggest question going into this movie, which I have already been asked, and I hate spoilers, so I refused to answer the question, but question was, is she still alive? You know, did did this oh. movie change the end of oh. Yeah, that that was the biggest question. Did this movie wow. change the end of Endgame? And like, first off, I'm not answering that question. You, <laughs> you need to go see the movie. I'm not telling you. Like, this movie has been out for less than 24 hours. I am not telling you the biggest spoiler on the planet. Um, but we we don't have an answer to that question. It was not. It was not confirmed that she is alive. All we saw was a grave. So I think that question is still up in the air. Although I think at the end of Endgame, they made it pretty clear that Mm -hmm. her death was permanent. Yeah. Which is just so hard to believe because there's so few permanent deaths in the MCU. But she may be one of the few. I'm just going to say, if they make her undead, I will be very angry. Like, we, <laughs> Marvel gets away with a lot of crap, and that's fine. But, ser- like, can we just let people be dead? Like, if you're going to kill off a character, have the guts to actually kill off the freaking character. Why are we bringing people back? It makes the stakes nothing. Ugh, don't well, like it cheapens future I... deaths too because then you yeah. feel like oh there's this hope that we yeah. can hold on to Ugh, it's just yeah. it's yeah. so infuriating don't do it just keep her dead as much as i love her she's one of the best characters keep her dead <laughs> keep her dead but make the tv show yes <laughs> yes everyone wins yes i think the the only way i would be okay seeing her again aside from death if she popped up in the Loki series because it's alternate timelines already if we saw her in that I would understand but I think it it devalues her sacrifice Mm -hmm. if we see her come back now Mm. Black Widow is you guys know I have three favorite Marvel characters I can never pick one but Natasha is near and dear to my heart and in a very real way her story and her character has helped me through very very difficult times in my life she's just someone that I draw strength from someone who has gone through as much as she went through and still as they said in this movie kept her heart and I love that they put that in there because that's so huge to me um and I think if they brought her back that takes away from her sacrifice like 
yes, we would be happy because we get our favorite, you know, our favorite Avenger back. We get our favorite person back. But I think it cheapens her sacrifice to say, you know, oh, it wasn't really real. You know, as much as we love Tony Stark, no one wants to see that sacrifice be undone. And I would hate to see her legacy be undone in that way as much as I love her and want to see her back I would you know there's there's value in a final sacrifice as yeah as much as we hate that especially being Marvel fans because we always get them back but uh yeah let her let her rest in that that peace she made peace with her childhood in this movie she made peace with her avengers family in endgame and she finally had peace and it's hard to see her not be able to live that out like everyone says about loki like he was okay like he was in a good place he and thor were in good place and then he died and we hate not getting to see them live that out but the sacrifice they made was from that place of i have a family i have i am loved i have made a difference and this is my you know this is my gift back to these people who gave me a second chance and you know don't take that away from her yeah, her legacy is more powerful if it gets to live it on, live on in this way versus spending more time with her just because. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So new rule. If characters sacrifice themselves, they cannot be undead. <laughs> yes. I like that rule. It's, it's they're a killed good by one. enemies, maybe, maybe. You know, maybe. the Disney fall of death. <laughs> Disney fall of death. It's such a thing. How did y'all feel about Florence Pugh in this movie and her storyline? In a, in a lot of ways, I, I was surprised how much time they spent on Florence Pugh's character. I mean, it's a lot of the relationship that both Yelena and Natasha have together, but they really give her a full uh, arc in this movie. And also, what are your thoughts on that ending credit scenes of like what her future might be in the MCU? She's hilarious, and I adore her. That's my main thought about her. <laughs> yes, her. I loved her. I loved that she was the comedic humor, like in this film. But it was like this dark Russian humor, which was <laughs> nice. My was like, favorite. This is great. Like I, I really, really liked this kind of dark humor. Um, <laughs> And like that would be a cool way to die. Yeah. This is not <laughs> a cool way, way to, die. to die, right? It's just it's so good and her little like snarky asides, it, it was excellent. And like she did a whole rant on pockets, which I very much feel in my person. So as soon as she started yes. going off on the pockets, I was like, "Yes, girl, you're my favorite." Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I I I liked her and um I, I feel like she's one of the few actresses that is a brilliant actress and she has that like badass physicality. Like, you know, ScarJo is another one that's like that. 
And I feel like that's a really rare combination. So I was really pleased to see Florence Pugh um, in this. And she just, she does a great job. It's an interesting character. Um, I do like that they kind of give her a mission and a purpose out of all of this. Um, Because when uh, they do like the red dust on all of the, the, the widows, I was going to call them Charlie's Angels wannabes, but that's not what they were. All the widows and they come to their senses. Um, and ScarJo was like, now you're free. Do whatever you want. In my head, I'm going, mm, maybe not. They need a little, they need some guardrails. <laughs> they need some help. Like let's transition them out of assassinhood <laughs> into being humans again, maybe. So I like that, you know, Florence Pugh's character got to be part of that and kind of helping guide them. So there were a lot of good elements and I can see how she'll be a really good character going forward that Marvel could use in films, in series, in whatever else they choose to do. So I think she's a she's a brilliant character. She's a young, phenomenal actress. And if she is willing to, you know, really commit to the MCU like everybody did in the past three phases, um, she'll be a really welcome addition, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think even in her you know, mission that she was given afterwards to be the, basically she gets to be to these widows, what Natasha was to her through this movie, because had Natasha not been in her life in this moment, then she would have been just as lost, but she got to see through, I think her, personal personally knowing Natasha as a child I think the the watching her be an Avenger was more um personally impacting for her but then having Natasha be the big sister to her through this movie and teach her how to be something other than just a widow puppet she got that guidance that she now is able to continue to give to those other widows. So even that I think is part of Natasha's legacy, Um, which is just exciting to see that be passed down. But she's such a phenomenal character. Um, But I didn't think that she overshadowed Natasha because she needed so much. They needed one another, but she needed so much, you know, guidance in being a functional human being i thought that they were equally paired and equally needed one another which was nice to see that mutual need there yeah and their their personalities and and dispositions and and humor and all of that was so different from each other that you're right. If if they had designed Yelena's character to be a little too close closely similar to um, the the goodness and the purity and the like goddessness that we see in Natasha, it would have felt like a another version of Natasha. But she's her own person and has her own spunk and her edge and her 
her mission that she is now going to fulfill. And so they really do complement each other well versus vying for um, time on screen or or like the place in um, the viewers and the fans' hearts. Like I, it didn't feel – like I, in some ways it felt like this is the next um, – generation or future that potentially uh, Yelena will be a part of for the MCU, but it didn't feel like they were trying to replace uh, Natasha, who is this character that is so beloved. It's here's a different type of personality and a type, different type of woman that is going to um, embody the strength and the tenacity and um, the legacy of Natasha in a different way. So I, I thought that was so smart for them to do because um, they really were able to keep the focus on Natasha, but still give us enough uh, time with Yelena to feel uh, connected to her and bonded to her and like on board with following whatever happens next in her trajectory. Like that balance was was very much there and they struck, struck that really well. Yeah, for sure. The you do, you get to care about her and she somehow managed to pull off being a widow and being a black widow, but being a widow and being this incredibly well-trained, highly disciplined assassin. And yet she still carried this level of innocence with her. I don't know how, they pulled mm-hmm. that off. Yeah. But you see it in her moments of vulnerability and you see it just in, in her sense of humor and as dark and twisty and Russian as it is, she still just somehow had this underlying innocence to her, um, which Natasha never had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it was a little bit of refreshment in the movie, but it, but uh, just something unique to her um, that that wasn't a carbon copy, like you said, of of Natasha. And so many of the the up and coming Avengers are young. You know, you have Scarlet Witch, who is fairly young. Um, Peter Parker is so young. Um, you know, you look at the this younger generation of Avengers coming up and she I think will be such a fun addition to that if that's where they take her. Yeah. You nailed it with the the innocence that she still somehow possesses while also being this incredible badass and that the movie gives her the time and us as the viewers, the time in those moments with her. Um, we're talking about like the vulnerable moments and the one that she has with her father where she reveals that like that her childhood was still so real to her. And I mean, Florence Pugh is just like such an incredible actress as well. And so you see all of the, the hurt and the emotions of her processing um, all of that. And, and like the innocence of her childhood still is such a part of her life. Um, Like all of that is so much in that moment. And you just can't help but feel connected to her. Like I think that's one of the incredible things that Marvel somehow is able to land so well with its characters. You just are 
somehow after two hours invested and rooting for and like wanting to see more of these characters that you've spent time with. It's truly incredible the way that they um, create and and draw out the storylines and the plot points for the characters in their films. It, it's mind-blowing to me sometimes. And I mean, it, it's evidenced in how much uh, they've been successful and how many people are so excited about spending time with these people that we can relate to and that we can connect with in this universe that is so different from our own. It's, it's so, it's so incredible. So question for you guys, we, we do find out that Natasha was tested as an infant, um, genetically or, um, basically, she was shown to have incredible promise in the widow program to the point where they paid her mother for her basically. So she was chosen to be the perfect widow. And yet somehow she's the one that broke out. She's the only one that left the widow program. Um, that was before the chemical control of their minds, but Still, she was the only one to get out. And I have my own answer, but I'm curious what thoughts you guys have on that and what went wrong, per se. Um, And just thoughts on that being why and how she was chosen. Well, I'm not going to lie. By that part of the film, I was checked out. Because with every Marvel movie, by the third act, I'm like, I just, I no longer care. So I wasn't fully engaged at that point, just full disclosure. But um, I think that's a nice little little twist of, you know, she was supposed to be this perfect assassin. And in many ways, she, she was. But, you know, her, her humanity and who she truly is, her soul, like you said, Caitlin, like, you know, can you measure those things on a test? Uh, I don't know. So I I love that that part of her, you know, overrode everything else. Sorry, I'm house sitting and the dog needs to go out. So she's yelling at me. Um, (laughs) But like, I, I love that that part of her kind of overrode everything else. So I just, I think that's a fun, a fun little detail. Uh, that really does play into her sacrifice that she she makes later. I think the whole idea of uh, the way that Dreykov and the Widow program use mind control, and I think this is a theme in some of the other Marvel films as well, right? Of of um, like these chemicals added to or injected into people's bodies. Was this Bucky's storyline? He was, um, he was not chemically controlled. He was, it was mind altering, but. Oh yeah. The word, right? Like when they would say certain words. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in general, I think that theme is, is very relevant to our technology fast, uh, evolution that's happening right now. And I just happened to be reading this book about like the way that AI is going to continue to develop in like in 
incredibly fast ways and how that impacts how we see ourselves as human um, and what that means and how much will we be dependent on these types of technologies. And so watching this movie uh, at the same time with that and the concept of the widows not being able to know what is their will versus what is not their will that they're being controlled. And all of that I think was incredibly relevant to the types of conversations that are going right now in the technology industry on uh, ethical AI and when that is in the hands of private companies, what does that look like and and all that kind of stuff. So I remember thinking in the most recent Spider-Man movie, I believe, where they tackled this theme of like fake news and how that spreads um, ideology. The, Marvel's always been able to tackle these like pretty relevant topics that are are going to be important or already important in our society and and weaving them into a storyline that in a way that feels pretty organic and pretty natural. Um so yeah, that was my thought with the the widow program and like the red dust and that being able to dispel the mind control of these women who are really just like being manipulated through technology and in really um invasive ways. That's an interesting take on it. I hadn't hadn't considered that side of it, but it's it's interesting to me. You know, Sarah said you can't measure someone's soul or someone's heart in a test, um, but you see it with Bucky, um, and then in this, I just kept thinking, man, even from the end of that first scene when they're children and then throughout the rest of the movie, I just keep thinking they messed up in how they handled Natasha. They messed up because they gave her someone to care for. They gave her a little sister and you see it in the beginning where she's like, I don't want to go back and you don't, you don't really understand until she, this 11 year old kid takes a gun off a grown man who is a (laughs) professional guard, you know, takes a gun off of him and puts herself between them and her little sister and says, don't you dare touch her. And you know, she was fully ready. Had her father not said something, she was fully ready to, carry through with that threat they gave her someone to care for and i think that kept her humanity alive and you see it with bucky the only thing that broke through that 70 years of brainwashing and training was the humanity of someone he cared for and i just kept thinking like that y'all messed up right there like had she not had that that protectiveness in her from when she was just a kid, like maybe she wouldn't have had the strength to break out. But she had that humanity of, nope, even more so than her parents who mm-hmm. were raising these two little girls as their own, but they were already too much indoctrinated by this system but she was young enough and cared enough and had enough heart. It's like, y'all messed up right there. That's where you went wrong. 
Um, and I think that's, you know, even Jen with what you were talking about, like that's that connection to humanity is so important and it's what keeps us grounded. It's, you know, and that's what Marvel does so well is they're every one of their characters is connected to humanity. It's not, you know, this grand overarching need to do good. It's, you know, Tony Stark's biggest argument in the final movie was his daughter, you know, and Steve Rogers, you see his dark side when it comes to the person he cares about most. And I just love that consistent theme of humanity in caring for one another. And I thought this movie um, continued that and we see how that started with her. And I, I loved seeing that and thinking, yeah, y'all messed up. Good job. Good job. That's so true. And I think what you mentioned too is that they are not perfect in that as well. I mean, so much of the storyline for the Avengers and, and the, what we've seen so far is their conflicts and the ways that they aren't always uh, able to show up for each other and fight for each other, but ultimately they're able to overcome those uh, to reconcile and to come back together again. Like I think the moment where Natasha um, confronts um, Yelena and, uh, and like apologizes for not coming back for her and feeling the weight of like, I wish that I had come and fought for you and pursued you and, and sought you out to save you from that. Um, is is makes, it was, it's what makes her relatable. And then what ultimately makes the decisions that she, um, chooses that more admirable because she does feel like a human, but she's able to, um, really show that in a way that isn't the picture perfect uh, version that we sometimes get in especially superhero movies, but it's not always easy for us to love and and pursue and care for the ones we love most. And while we're not always perfect at it, the continuous persistence of trying to um, continue to, to be there and to care uh, is what ultimately makes us human. And I, I love that Marvel doesn't paint a rosy picture of that. Sometimes, sometimes they do, but not all the time. And they have the moment, they're like really gut-wrenching character moments that are what ultimately make us really connect with them and feel like we can see parts of ourselves in these characters. The whole storyline with Dracoff's daughter, which was also referenced in the first Avengers movie, when Loki's in his cell, and she says, the line that I quoted at the beginning, I have read on my letter, I want to wipe it out. And Loki starts taunting her, saying, um, you know, your ledger is dripping. And you think saving one man will wipe it clean. He's one of the things that he mentioned is Dracov's daughter. And now we find out what that meant. Um, but even her, like you can see how much using that little girl, you know, 10 years prior had just torn her apart on the inside. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she 
100% risked her life to not only save her, but also, like, she knew full well this, you know, that this thing could kill her. Um, but she went back and she said, no, I'm going to save her. I'm going to apologize to her. I'm going to do what I can to make right what I did wrong. Um, and even in that you see her just this thing that's been weighing on her for so long and you see her get to go back and, you know, I was wrong and I am so, so sorry. And you know, the, the girl's only question, you know, the girl didn't start yelling at Natasha. Her only question was, is he gone? Like, am I free from this monster? And it's interesting to me that Natasha, the one who used her, essentially killed her to get to her father, is not the monster in this girl's eyes. Um, so just those, you know, all those little lines of humanity and and right and wrong and gray areas. And um, I just loved how how much Marvel poked around at those areas in this movie. And I think it's also pretty incredible that we get those apologies from our protagonist. Like, I feel like a lot of our our protagonists and you know what we value especially in the west is like this strong like never admit that you are wrong never admit fault like we we idolize that and so i just i love that this tough protective you know avenger was willing to humble herself so often to admit when she was wrong and you know i feel like that's that's pretty rare these days, so that was nice to see on screen. All right. Any other last thoughts about Black Widow before we wrap up? I do have a question. Um, so the the little red dust undoes like chemical stuff in the brain. Um, do we learn who created? the red dust because that was kind of my question while watching the whole film it was like why where did this antidote come from who who created this thing like that's great that it exists it set all these women free that's excellent i'm a fan but um where'd it come from who who was doing this research that magically saved all these lives did the film answer that and am I the only one that was asking that question I feel like they briefly mentioned it I remember somebody saying that's all there is and I know they said Melina had to go create more but I I feel like they briefly They briefly mentioned, and it may have been as, you know, as simple as, you know, these former widows. Oh, yes, there was, they said a, there was an older widow, I believe it was an older widow, who 
had been working in secret to make it I'm really really hazy on that but i believe they mentioned it briefly um but it's not somebody that. that we met okay we're gonna go with that answer i think it's great Thank you for explaining that, Caitlin, because that was my question, like, the whole movie. I was like, oh, that's really great that we have this magical red dust. Excellent. Where'd it come from? Who was working on this technology? Why didn't they take the person out? Like, I got questions. You got a whole team of assassins, and you got this magical dust that undoes everything in a second. Like, you think you'd want to stop that from being produced, but, well, you know. And I think that's what that opening scene was. Mm -hmm. They were trying to take out... I think they had already taken out the one who made it, and that's why there was no more. And the girl who was killed at the beginning was trying to um, either protect it or mm-hmm. use it or deliver it or something. But I think she had been taken out. I think that's where we stepped into the movie. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I was just worried they were going to use all of them. And not have any left that needs because this thing needs right? to be replicated. Like when Florence Pugh, yeah, fucks the the whole bunch of them with the grenade around it and it blows up. I'm like, oh no, do you have more? I hoped you saved a little bit because yeah, we need to keep this. <laughs> Just a little bit, replicate like it. Two granules, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's so convenient, you know, in the plot when in that final moment where. Uh, Drakov's daughter and Natasha fight it, duke it out once they land on Earth. I'm like, oh, there's one more line here. Good, 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 good. You know what, though? Very convenient. <laughs> the, those two, those two canisters um, mm-hmm. that are left at the end of the movie, the one she uses on Drakov's daughter, they were used in, or not used, but they were part of that bundle that exploded in um, in Drakov's office because um, Nat picks them up off the floor. Um, mm. So they either like were not, they didn't, they didn't explode in that bundle, but she picks them up off the floor. She's like, Oh, these are going to be useful. Um, ah, okay. So there's potent there, there was a chance that there was not going to be any more. So like this whole thing is crashing down. There will be no more left if there were any. <laughs> Good. Natasha, you know, she was thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. She's a smart cookie. Indeed she is. Yes. And I really appreciated in that whole scene, the uh, her falling with style moment. That was just nice. Like, yeah, let's let's do a deep cut to a Disney Pixar film where she's just falling with style because she can't fly, but she out here just <laughs> falling. She does a great job. She also can just hang off a rope yeah. connected to a helicopter <laughs> with such elegance. Like, I have never seen that before. She's just, like, floating like it's a Cirque du Soleil out there. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, just another day at the office. Like, no big deal. I'm just, I'm a chill here. For an eternity while an avalanche is coming at me, right? <laughs> shouting orders at my Russian father to escape from prison. Like, just a normal day. While directing my Russian sister to <laughs> yes. not yes. crash me into the wall of yeah. the prison while flying a helicopter. While Props she's being fired Pugh's, at. Props to Florence Pugh's piloting skills. I mean, yeah. 
That's a, there's a lot of precision there. <laughs> it's impressive. And she launches like a bazooka in the process too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Did anybody else wonder when helicopters uh, were <laughs> equipped with autopilot or no, like yes. hold, please? Yes. Like what? Because <laughs> she literally just put the thing in park. In yeah, the, yep. the air to go <laughs> shoot off a rocket launcher. It's like, oh, that's a that's a fun trick. Maybe that's why, like, their version of Q, like, provided this to them because, like, it's a really yes. fancy helicopter, even though it doesn't look like much on the outside. Like, <laughs> has all of these extra features that he like engineered for them <laughs> just so that Florence Pugh could park it just in case she's being fired upon in a Russian prison. You know, totally normal scenario. <laughs> she also didn't watch uh, Mulan because... Right? Yeah. The avalanche thing. She was like, oh, well, yeah, that was not part of the plan. <laughs> That's happening. <laughs> also, can we just appreciate the fact that Drakov punched Natasha in the face like four times and was unable to break her nose, so she just smacked her face on oh a table. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, well, you were too weak, so I'm just going to have to do it myself. Biome. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I, I also appreciate that they Marvel gave her just a moment and they, they gave her a shot where she just snaps her her nose back into place apparently like wow (laughs) they really had fun with that one i was so (laughs) bothered by that moment because so like i have broken my nose and it was like a straight on break like she had and like when that happens there's nothing to crack back into place like as long as like it was like a straight on situation you can still breathe your nasal passages still work so there's nothing that you do to your nose it just heals so it was like that was not necessary to see because of the break that she had <laughs> so <laughs> i was so bothered even though i shouldn't have been by that moment but it does show how badass she is but it's like um no she's gotta keep that straight nose profile you know no <laughs> mm-hmm. no sign of breakage <laughs> although i can't imagine how many times her nose has been broken right my god mm-hmm concussed beat up so many times but she just keeps on going so props to her there are so many times where cars are flipping over or whatnot in this movie that natasha and yelena are in and they come out looking flawless i'm like (laughs) y'all i would not get out of a car that's flipped over like (laughs) 10 times down the side of a road And look that intact. <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. Oh, you're such a mom. Yeah. <laughs> car instantly starts flipping in the air. Oh, that's why. But I did appreciate, like, after that whole scene on the bridge early in the film, brilliant. It was perfectly timed, well executed, great. But what I really, really loved about it is that she is clearly injured during that fight. And like, especially as she comes out of the water, like you can tell that she has like a massive concussion and she's struggling in that moment. And I was like, okay, this is good. She's human. We can see that these things affect her. And then that doesn't happen for the rest of the movie, but we have a moment (laughs) of humanity, which I really, really liked. It's because she was caught off guard. You know, she was. If she sees it coming, she's not gonna get hurt. That, that's fair. If only it worked that way in real life. 
but it does not. Yeah. I need this pheromones barrier that apparently Dry Pop has. Like, we mass produce that so that everyone feels safe all the time. Right? That's kind of really brilliant. It's really good. Also kind of gross, but, you know, maybe it's just because it was Dracoff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine a non-gross person using that. And it could be helpful if used in the right circumstances. All right. Let's wrap up. Well, this was our review and discussion of Black Widow. You can find it available on Disney Plus, and it's also out in theaters as well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. And a big thank you to you, Caitlin, for joining us and sharing all your thoughts about this movie and this character that you really, really love. Thanks for letting me talk for an hour about my favorite character. It was a blast. (laughs) This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Black Widow. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can always email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film A Quiet Place 2. We hope you all have an amazing week and we will see you very soon. 